Hey everybody, it's Demon Mixon from the 4th Street Sports Show. Uh, just want to give you kind of a little teaser about this episode that um, while Jackson and I were recording this, we didn't know that uh, we would have a special guest, so I wanted to introduce that special guest right here. Uh, Lindsey Crosby coming on the show in a little bit. Uh, he's with the AuburnDaily.com uh, Sports Illustrated, um, and he writes particularly for baseball in general. He writes for Auburn baseball. He even mentioned he writes for the Atlanta Braves and some minor league um some minor league baseball programs as well. So we're honored to have him on the show, um, and and he'll come on in just a little bit, and I'll do another one of these little peek-ins to show you that we will have a guest come on. And we would have introduced him in the podcast, we just didn't know he was going to be coming on when we recorded. So thanks for understanding. I hope you enjoy the show. For now, here is the 4th Street Sports Show. It's that time of the day. It's the... Forestry Sports Show. Let's get it. Welcome back to Fourth Street Sports Show. I'm your host, Dima Mixon, joined by Jackson Kennedy here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Back in Hattiesburg, coming back from uh, Montgomery this weekend. Jackson, I just, you know, I'm thinking, good goobers. I got to do that drive all over again. Headed to Auburn this week. Um, you know, Auburn's just about 50, 50, 55 minutes from Montgomery, so now I'm driving even further. Not going to complain, though, because now we're in the, the best time of the year, as they say, postseason baseball. Southern Miss, your 2023 Sunbelt champions. First and foremost, just want to apologize. We weren't able to do a Twitter space after the championship game. Um, really kind of a tough swing for us. Um, Jackson, you were at a debate tournament, and then, you know, we were trying to cover everything that was happening on the field and get the stories out and then by the time we were done it was the regional hosts out and then I'm driving home from Montgomery and I would rather not do a Twitter space while I'm driving probably just uh, just don't want to get, get get flagged for that but so apologize for that we will definitely do as many Twitter spaces this weekend as we can because I know that the the attention and the watch of this weekend will be will be very very much heightened so Jackson how you doing today? Man, Dima, I'm doing great, and just like you said, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm still recovering, uh, coming off of uh, a pretty a pretty big trip. I I went to Oak Grove High School, which is like 20 minutes from USM, and uh, and I, I go back and I volunteer and I help coach the speech and debate team and everything. And I was invited to go to one of the national tournaments. So from like. Thursday until last night, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and we drove all the way there. Uh, it was a it was a great time, but I got to tell you, the times in which I had to go judge or go do other duties, I was very upset, and I really wanted to watch as many Sunbelt games as possible. And I would be lying if I said that I didn't have many conversations with many people who figured I just had like one AirPod in my ear for as like. Because I was previously listening to music. Now I was I had the ESPN Plus broadcast like in my in my pocket. I was listening to it. I was a uh, very very uh, less than attentive in those conversations because man, like whenever Southern Miss was playing, I uh, I was tuned in all the way. Like unless I absolutely had to do something, it, it was it was a great weekend though. Both in terms of the, the, the tournament, like we will get into, and in terms of uh, of the debate tournament. Uh, it was, it was a great time. My, my coach has been coaching for 20 years, and he's never had a national champion. And one of the guys on the team, uh, first year, 
it, like first year in speech and debate, and he was the national champion in congressional debate, which is one of the harder ones to win because you have 24 people in the final round all competing, which normally you have anywhere from two to six, depending on the event. Yeah. So uh, very, very proud of him and very proud of the team altogether. Uh, great, great weekend both for both tournaments I was either at or listening to. Yeah, it's uh, – wait, was that um, Caden Collier who won? Yes, Caden Collier, oh, yes. Wow. Okay, because I saw that on Facebook. Uh, his family is good friends with my family. and um, Yeah. And definitely good friends with my girlfriend's family. Their families are together. So that's that's awesome, man. I didn't know I didn't yeah. that, that was that. But you went with them. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Huge, huge shout-out to uh, Shane Cole, Caden Collier, the rest of the Oak Grove debate team. Uh, lot, lots of good and fun things to come. Cool. Well – Let's get into it. Southern Miss 2023 Sunbelt Champions. Um, I guess we can just kind of go a little bit game by game. You know, you you, 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 you start the day with um, a really, really <laughs> uh, great outing from Tanner Hall against uh, James Madison. You win that first game, um, and uh, I think it was 7-1. to one. Tanner Hall just lights out. I don't think the the one run was earned. Earned It was an unearned run. And then they come the next night and walk off Troy with Danny Lynch. I mean, who else could have walked it off there? Um, and then they kind of had just like a fluke game where they started looking like um, like they were earlier in the season. It was just kind of like, oh, well, that, that was weird. Because then the next game they, they came back and destroyed App State. And then uh, then they really weren't even really challenged for the championship. That yeah, they fell fell behind in the fourth, but it, it never felt like they were going to lose the game. And I mean, it was like four to three or something, and it felt like Southern Miss was up four runs. So, um, anyways, Jackson just uh, I think it's really encouraging to see Southern Miss um, be able to do what they did in this regional, not this regional, in this uh, conference tournament. Um, because we haven't, we've gotten the answers on the pitching, but we haven't seen it in where they need it, which is in a tournament. And I think this this weekend definitely answered a lot of questions that the the cost for concern with the bullpen really isn't as high as 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 it has been in the past. Exactly. Um, I I'm not gonna lie. I originally at the start of the season almost bought in to all of the worry and the panic around oh god we lost all of our pitchers which <clears throat> that, that that was a sentiment echoed by many southern miss fans and um i mean i, I would be lying if i if i said i wasn't concerned about it at first but seeing how many young players have just come up it's it's exactly what we've been talking about in the twitter spaces after the games uh, during the during the uh, tournament and what it what we will probably be talking about in the twitter spaces during the regional which is uh southern miss is a very very big next man up school southern miss is huge on just hey as soon as this guy graduates as soon as this guy gets hurt as soon as this guy can't play anymore you are next and that's the attitude every single player has. It doesn't matter if we've only seen them once or if they're in all the time and they just start slipping. There is a next man up mentality. And just like Scott Berry has been saying in all of his interviews with you, he's been saying things of like, it's a good thing to know who our starters are and who our backups are because those guys can better support our starters if they know that they are in relief. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. And, 
we saw some of those players who you've seen the the strides they've made throughout the season, but you really were able to see the uh, what they could bring to the table. And I, and I point to Will Armistead in his outing against App State on Saturday night. Um, just an incredible outing. Um, you know, pitched really his longest outing of the season, which um, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up the stats here, but just what do you think about um, what, what what did you think about that, Jackson? Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody would have guessed that Will Armistead pitches a complete game in this tournament, and he did it, and he did it against a team who just really tore up Matthew Adams, even though, um, as we talked about on the Twitter space, you can't really blame Matthew Adams because, um, I mean, you, you also have to give Matthew Adams credit because he was able to kind of um, work around some of his, his, his uh jams he got in, but Will Armistead came in and just shut an App State lineup down, and and I think that's just encouraging for Southern Miss fans heading into uh, a regional where you're going to need Will, Will Armistead to step, step up, you're going to need a Justin Storm and Nico Maza again to step up, you're going to need those players to step up behind uh, your, your starters, and, and, and maybe we can even have a debate about whether or not Will Armistead is maybe the three uh, on Sunday. Yeah, so just talking about Will Armistead, I mean, that to me that was my standout player of the entire tournament i mean obviously like a a complete nine inning game from tanner hall was absolutely necessary and a fantastic outing by him he was such an efficient pitcher you know what i mean like there was there, there there were no long outings and even if there were tanner just came right back the next inning and like five, six pitch inning, just incredible outing. But Will Armistead came in, and what a dog. Like, just dog. absolute definition of what a dog is supposed to be. And then what, what I what, what's my favorite part of Will Armistead's outing? It didn't even happen on the mound. It happened in the press conference afterwards where he may have dropped the hardest quote in all of college baseball, or at least that I've seen. When when asked, you know, like, hey, like, were you a little bit nervous, you know, watching all these other pitchers get shelled? Were were you nervous? And 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 Will was like, well, you know, I don't, I do not visualize my opponent. They're nameless and faceless to me. The burden of success is placed solely upon me when I'm on the mound. Holy Uh, cow! Like that goes hard. That goes so hard. Yeah, I mean, exactly. When you said that, I was like, dang, this guy. <laughs> you know, and, and what's funny is the first time we talked to him, um, uh, the first time I talked to him, I was noticing that 12-6 curve, like, just floating straight in. And I was just like, man, what, 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 how did you develop that pitch? And he's like, yeah, I just watched Shohei Otani on YouTube, and that's how I kind of learned that pitch. And I'm like, man, you know what's like, This cool guy is like, a dog. Did I watch, like, <laughs> Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk on YouTube and just learn how to make $40 billion? Is that possible? Is that possible? I don't know. You know. I I, I think we should ask Will. I, I just want to I just want to sit <laughs> Will down in the offseason and just put him in front of like a bunch of YouTube videos of like investors. Like, hey, I need you to come yeah. up with like some like F like, like with like some FTX stuff, like stock market trading, and then like just I, I will keep 20% of the profits and I'll I'll be a billionaire. Because if, if, <laughs> if that if that is a transferable skill, then man, we need to get Will Armistead in front of YouTube more often. 
Yeah, he he should be watching a lot more Shohei Otani and if <laughs> you know, we could just uh, you know Slade. You know, he he's been great. I know he has twenty home runs, Jackson. But if if uh, Will Armstead's going to be um, Shohei Otani, I don't think we need the DH <laughs> DH button. Here. Good night. So hey, I mean. Slade, Slade could just take up where uh, where Reese Ewing is is leaving off. If I'm not mistaken, at Columbia he was an outfielder, so we could just put Slade in there. And if because if Slade Wilkes can throw baseballs half as hard as he hits them, then he there could be a line drive out to left field and he'd throw them out at first. Like that man again. Like if if we're talking about a dog, what a way for Slade to just say, "Hey guys, I'm back." Yeah, you know, yeah, two home runs in two games, huge. For sure. And I was actually talking to um, WDM Scott Kirk and uh, on the at the um, <clears throat> at the baseball park, uh, we were standing on the, in the outfield um, wall, like where the home runs are hit. And we were talking about it's been 21 days since Slade Wilkes hit a home run, and it was in the apps right before the second app state game. And he's like, and I said, well, you know what? Guess who's getting a home run tonight? And and I, and I was like, I'm going to call Slade Wilkes hits a dinger tonight, and he did. And, and, I, and I think it was big for him, big for him to see that ball go out of the park. And like you said, he struggled, but you know he, he he's still coming up with clutch hits. I mean, he got that single in the in the ninth to to start that rally against Troy, you know. And and so it's not like he's been a non-factor, but it was like you're saying, really big for for Slade to have those double home runs. And Jackson, I was texting you um, Saturday night, just thinking about: Are we actually going to watch Danny Lynch versus Louisiana in a Sun Belt title game? And I tweeted it out um, like a SpongeBob meme of them watching the TV. <laughs> and I said, telling my kids about Danny Lynch in a in a Sun Belt title game versus Louisiana. And I was standing taking photos on on down uh, on the field and. I told Andrew Abbey of Pine Belt Sports, and I said, if Danny Lynch hits a home run in this game, does Louisiana even – do they just leave the ballpark? And you know what? They hit a home run. <laughs> Man, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I was even thinking the double he hit. I don't know if – I mean, I know you're watching the championship game. The double that was, like, lost in the sun and it just happened to fall. I mean, they just like, can't seem to – He owns the Danny Lynch crazy. It, it is incredible. It is incredible. And, I mean, just – I I was texting you during this game, and I said, Dima, we need to get Danny Lynch on as soon as the fall semester starts, and you need me to introduce him. Like, you need to let me do that intro, because I will cut, like, a WWE promo on, uh, like, uh, on ULL. Like, I will just start talking. I'm like, hey, Danny Lynch, majority stakeholder in University of Louisiana Lafayette, director of their athletics program, and daddy of that baseball team because that man I I am going to like force my kids to watch highlights of Danny Lynch against Louisiana because that is like that is something that needs to be continually talked about because I I know that I'm being hyperbolic but it's just it's so fun and it is so funny just to watch him own just to watch him own them in every single game uh, it was, it, it was I, awesome. I, and I mean, who and else? Like, right, and, and and it's like, so, it's at the most worst times too. That's what's so insane. Like, 
Um, and, you know, we're, we're journalists and we're trying to be objective to the school. We're trying to be not fans, you know, and all those things. And it's still hilarious. Like, it is so funny. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the fact that Louisiana took the lead in the title game, right? It was in the top of the fourth. They take the lead. And it's like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't going to go as Southern Miss fans want it to go. And then Danny Lynch comes to the plate with two outs. And he hits the game tying home run, and it's just like, like what? What? <laughs> you know, like, how? Do, I don't understand how that happens. I just don't get it. And you know, we asked Danny Lynch in the post game press conference. We were like, we said, like, is it some sort of a thing against Louisiana? He's like, no, I'm just trying to put a, a good pitch on the ball and a, a, a good a good hit a good hit on the ball. And I'm thinking, you know, you know, he wants to say it. You know, you uh, know, you it's... know, he wants to. You know that's not. He just has to say that, and you just know that he's wanting to say, "Oh yeah, like when I played Louisiana, oh, yeah. you know." I like. I, <laughs> I think of the ball. I think of the ball as like. I don't know. I don't know what Danny Lynch wants to murder. The pitcher that hit ball. like. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And then he like, bat flipped them, dude. Oh my god! You oh, can't bat flip somebody and tell me in a post game press conference that you don't think about it. <laughs> like, and I mean. If we want to talk about like other crazy happenings, Dustin Dickerson with two monster home runs, like those things were out, like like AHT yeah. out of the park, like he knocked the crap out of them. And you know, yeah, watching Southern Miss baseball, four hundred and three feet, four hundred and three feet, like that's that's. Crazy. I I just wish that one of the trains would have been coming by whenever he hit that because we would have heard like a dunk against the train. Like that man nuked it and it was like, (laughs) I just remember like texting my mom and just being like, are you watching this? She goes, oh my God, dude, Dustin Dickerson just knocked the crap out of that thing. And I was like, I I know, like it was, it was wild. Anyways, okay, well, Danny Lynch owns Louisiana. That's going to be the title of this podcast, but, um... Yeah, okay, so let's talk about regional hosts. Um, Southern Miss denied a spot to regional host. Um, Jackson, we talked about it in the last podcast that we would not... I, I think that Southern... We, we, we both said Southern Miss has to win the tournament to host. We both said that, you know, it would you know it'd be... It, they, they may be on the bubble if they don't win and get to the title game, but they really need to win to kind of get a, a, a good chance at hosting. Well, they won, and they didn't host... And I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, what are you gonna do? Do you have an Auburn team who's thirty-five and thirty-four and twenty-one, right? Thirty-four and twenty-one, and a Southern Miss team who's forty-one and seventeen and twenty-one in RPI, which is only I think two behind Auburn, right? And then um, the strength of schedule is big, a big difference. Auburn favored in there. But, I mean, I don't know. They just don't seem that different as far as which teams and, you know, you can say what you want about the AD and stuff. But um, what was your immediate thoughts? Do you think Southern Miss got robbed? Do you think that um, – do you think if Southern Miss maybe wouldn't have dropped that App State, App State game on Saturday morning that change, things would be different or play Coastal on the championship? Throughout anything in my life, I'm very, very big on congruency. Like, if like I, I'm very big on congruency and consistency and how people talk and how they act and all that stuff. 
the thing is, whenever the AD of Auburn, who was the chairman of the selection committee, was talking about why some teams got in over others, because, I mean, if you look at Kentucky, they're not even ranked. They're hosting. If you look at Indiana State, they're an absolute, like, clown show against Q1 opponents, 2-9. and nine. Um, But the thing that he was talking about and the thing that he was harping on over and over and over was RPI, which is perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. However, Campbell and Southern Miss RPIs were vastly better than that of Auburn. And if RPI is going to be your main reason for it, why would you give a couple of teams who have terrible RPIs comparatively a host spot over teams that could potentially host who have better RPIs. Further yet, if we're going to look at the D1 baseball rankings, which I I consider to be a pretty consistent rankings, um, and given I only say that because Southern Miss is ranked well, I'm kidding, but like... (laughs) um, But if, if you look at the D1 baseball rankings, Southern Miss is ranked higher than five other teams that are currently hosting. Do do I think Southern Miss has a favorable regional matchup? Absolutely. However, Southern Miss and Camp Campbell especially, because again, like I I know I've already said this, but if you're going to go back to the RPI thing, Campbell was the number sixteen team in RPI, so they should have hosted. Well, they should have hosted because one through yeah exactly exactly, and so they should have hosted. Because they were one of the only teams who had an RPI like in the top 16, and I think you said they were 13. They were one of the only teams that, that didn't host. And one of the only teams that had an RPI far greater than that was Auburn. And I'm not going to posture conspiracy theories because, you know, I'll save that for private life. But it just, it, it's not like wh- whether or not it was an intentional thing, because I know that. If anything related to your school is happening, you have to exit the Zoom call, which I think is a good rule. It just, it's just not a great look, and it's not a great system of selection because if you harp on RPI all the time, then you miss out on a lot of other key factors, which gladly uh, the same guy who I've been very, very, um, I guess, implicitly uh, trashing, he came out and said, hey, like RPI is a very flawed system. We need to work on that. Exactly, but it's just, I, I don't know, things don't add up. Uh, I, I, I quote tweeted a, a, something from Andrew Abbott, and I was like, hey, make it make sense, please, please make it make sense, where uh, he was talking about Southern Miss being uh, ranked in the in the national poll higher than five uh, teams that are hosting, which it's just, again, just consistency is something that seems a little bit lacking there, which is something that I'm longing for. Yeah, I think the idea behind the Campbell not hosting thing is, like, they could not host in their own ballpark. They had to host somewhere else. So I think that that might have played a factor into it. But I'm with you. I mean, 9-5 and five against Q1, 8-5 and five against Q2, 27-3 and three against Q4. I mean, that's kind of, that's a lot of quadrant four wins right there. And um, so their strength of schedule, though, is at 86, which I think – Mm-hmm. kind of came into play there. But I guess if we're going to use that logic, Indiana State at 53, I mean 43, Virginia at 57. I mean, I don't know. But 86 for Campbell is, um, 
86 for Campbell and then 9 for Auburn, I guess, is what the metric they use there because that is a pretty big difference, I would argue. And Southern Miss is at 46, um, which I think is outside of everybody else who posted um, 46. Let me see. Wake. So they, they would the only one the only regional host they would be lower than would be a Virginia who's at at fifty seven. So, um, you know, I mean, you look at even Coastal Carolina at sixteen strength of schedule. So I think RPI played a role, obviously, but I think the strength of schedule really played a role into why Campbell did not host. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, what I really like, I was okay with Southern Miss not hosting. I understood the, I understood they probably. I feel like if they would have beaten a Coastal Carolina in the title game or if they wouldn't have lost to App State in that first game, you know, they were looking at sub-20s sub right now, 18, 19, 17. If they were ranked ahead of Auburn in RPI, it might have been an interesting argument. But what really made me just, like, confused is when, you know, we got on the teleconference with um, with the with the chairman of the, the committee and, and he said, we, and Andrew Abity asked him, he said, hey, well, w- what was the reasoning behind Southern Miss not, not hosting? And he said, he just started complimenting Southern Miss, and he said, quote, they were right on the doorstep. We talked about them a ton. I think they were probably one win away from getting potentially that 16 seed. Their numbers are good across the board. It's hard to poke a hole in what Southern Miss has done. They are right there. I guess that's all I can say. So... I don't understand that. Like, I mean, if they're right there, their numbers are good across the board. It's hard to poke a hole in what they did. They're one, like, what what one win do they want? That's that's what I was confused. You know, it'd be different if they had lost the Sun Belt title or something. But, I mean, you're talking about champions of a sub of a top five RPI conference. I mean, I don't know what one win they want. If they want the the one win game and. In Jackson, where Ole Miss had to cancel, or the game had to be canceled because of the because of the the, the sod and all that stuff. Like I saw that on Twitter, but I mean, I'm, I'm going through, I'm going through Southern Miss's schedule, Jackson, and like, yes, there's games in the beginning where you know that they, they probably should have pulled out. I mean, especially the the Illinois series probably didn't help them. You know the the Valparaiso game one, you know, those games that they would have won those games, the road loss to New Orleans, you know, that um, was just a tragic, tragic loss for them for RPI purposes. But I mean, I, I don't know what other win that the committee would be looking for aside from, you know, a couple dropped here and there. But I mean, and like I said, it'd be different if they would have, if they would have like not won the Sun Belt. But I mean, can you come up with a win that they would win? I mean, I, honestly, no. I, 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 obviously, any any game that Southern Miss lost, if they would have won that, that would have been better. I mean, because you know, losses are yeah, not as good as wins, obviously. Awesome. But like, yeah, exactly. And like, just some teams that got the host spot, they were very, very, pretty good at the start of the year, but they've been faltering. Like South Carolina getting a host spot, while it's not surprising it's just a little funny because South Carolina is not the team that they were at the beginning of the year they've been faltering a lot uh just dropping games and series that they shouldn't and while that could be said for the Golden Eagles that happened at the beginning of the year so Southern Miss is more of the team 
that they're supposed to be later in the year, while South Carolina is more or less showing their true colors, uh, dropping series, dropping games that they shouldn't. And that could be said for a lot. And it's all conjecture coming from the two of us because we aren't on the selection committee. But I argue that you or I have like one or two more brain cells than some of the people in charge of the selections. Just because of some of like the weird inconsistencies uh, in those picks. And if you want to talk about Campbell's uh, like not having enough seating or not being able to host a regional in their own stadium, then we could just look at Kentucky. <laughs> the players are being charged 92.50 a night. Like they're so for those who are not aware, um, at the University of Kentucky, they are hosting a regional. And there is also a country music festival happening this weekend in Lexington, Kentucky. So there are no hotels available for those wanting to go to the regional in Kentucky for at least an or hour. Or the team. Yeah. Or, or the team. And so the University of Kentucky is making athletes stay in dorm rooms. And if that was not inconvenient enough, they are selling like sweet style dorm rooms to these schools for ninety two fifty a night per half of that sweet style dorm room, which is just like if if you're going to inconvenience a group of people to such an extent as to force them to either sleep in a dorm room or stay over an hour away then the school could at least like lower the prices or give it or, or give it to them for free or whatever. And I know that it's not free to clean after people and set up linens and all that. But at the same time, Kentucky, you're hosting. You are hosting a regional, and you part of the word host is that you have to take these guests into your home. And it seems like they're taking it a little too flippantly. Like they're not realizing like, hey, how big of a deal it is that they are indeed hosting a regional. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it just seems strange and I don't know, man. I'm just, you know, I, and like I said, I, I would be okay with the logic if that was not the answer from the chairman. I, I mean, you got to have a better, you got to have a better answer than they were right there. We don't know. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Just, it's just not a good answer. And, and you know, I, I want to know who they were in the room debating against. Like why, why was Southern Miss not selected? What was the, what was the, the, the deciding factor? Because now you have just, you know, you, the entire Southern fan base and us as journalists are just sitting there like, well, I don't know. Like, like <laughs> what else, you know, what, what else were they supposed to do? Like, yeah, 41 and 17, but what were they last year coming into the regional? I mean, 43 and 15. I mean, what's not, not that much different. And they didn't even have a conference USA title in their docket. Granted, their RPI was exactly. a little bit higher, but it but it wasn't that much higher. I don't think. I mean, it was like what twelve, thirteen, something like that. So yeah, and 14. and also like, so, like Southern Miss's strength of schedule, like yeah. so, Southern Miss's strength of schedule was so much less difficult than it was this year, which is something right. I feel like needs to be pointed out. Yeah, and you talk about South Carolina. I, I think the I do agree to some extent with with the argument against South Carolina. But I will say that their record against, like, the top eight seeds, like, I think it's something like eight and three or something. So I think that that was a pretty mm-hmm. big metric. Because I know they swept Florida, which is a top eight seed. They, they beat Arkansas in a series, I think. So that's another top eight seed. They split the series with LSU, and LSU is a top eight seed. So I think that that was a big deal to the committee, letting them host that they were – 
But anyways. All right, guys, we're going to take a pause right here. We didn't take a break in the actual show, but this is a good place to stop. And we're going to bring in our guests. So without further ado, welcome Lindsey Crosby from the AuburnDaily.com and Sports Illustrated in this nice little 15-minute interview talking all about Auburn baseball. Enjoy. Back on 4th Street Sports Show, excited to have on Lindsey Crosby from the AuburnDaily.com, Sports Illustrated uh, paper covering all things Auburn baseball. Before we head into what what is to be a great weekend of baseball, Lindsey, just how you do it and how, I mean, I know you're just pumped for this weekend. This is the best time of the year. MLB is obviously in full swing, but regionals, this is fun for not only uh, college baseball itself, but then what this means for the MLB draft, a lot of that kind of stuff. So great, great weekend. I'm very excited. My schedule's open all weekend for just nothing but baseball. <laughs> That's what we love to hear, you know. And, and you know, you, you look at this tournament, and I almost like the regional weekend the most. I mean, because, you know, you, you can watch all the games that are happening, and they're all just, like, so tight. Last year at the Hattiesburg Regional, every game was decided within, I think, like, one run, except for one game, which was insane. So just a, a great time for baseball. Uh, Lindsay, I wanted to ask you just uh, why don't you tell us what you do, uh, just kind of what who you who you write for, and uh, just what your what, what plug your stuff, man. So yeah, I I have tried to build everything around the game of baseball. So at just about every single level, obviously covering Auburn baseball for Sports Illustrated through AuburnDaily.com. Uh, I am covering minor league baseball with the number one daily minor league baseball podcast, Locked on MLB Prospects, and then I am covering. I am assisting Sports Illustrated with their Atlanta Braves coverage this year as well at bravestay.com. So uh, every, all day, every day, I am watching baseball. I am writing about baseball. And this is the time of year when they all come together because you've got the college guys and then they, they get drafted and go pro. And so um, it's, 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 it's been great to just get to watch baseball all day, every day and get paid to talk about it. <laughs> I love it. So guys, let me just let you know. This guy knows what he's talking about. That, that, that's what he's saying. He 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 probably knows more than me, um, and I can definitely put that out there. And that's why we have him on the show. We want to learn about Auburn baseball. This is this is new territory for Southern Miss. Uh, not all, actually. What's crazy, Lindsay, is the first Auburn and Southern Miss have only met twice in the postseason, including this time. Mm-hmm. All their time was Scott Barry's first year as a head coach. Um, and it was and the this is his last year as the head coach. And this is his last year. We talked to him today and he said he was kind of closing the book. Uh, I wanted to ask you first, uh, just what is Auburn's fans and, and maybe even your perspective? What do they think about Southern Miss? Do they, do they view them as kind of, a you know, a, a mid tier college baseball team or do they, they, they kind of rate them at the top? Are they, are they nervous about this regional? Do they think this is a great draw? Uh, you know, just talk about that. So given the programs that are in the state along with Auburn, you have Troy and things like that. Auburn fans pay a little more attention to the Sun Belt than maybe you would expect. And so we knew that there was a conversation about would there be another Hattiesburg Regional? You know, and obviously that didn't happen. But now coming to Auburn, Auburn fans are not looking past Southern Miss. And I've, I've tried to make sure that Auburn fans haven't looked past Penn because I've been trying to to explain they have really good arms, they have good pitching, but Auburn really views this as we have to get past Southern Miss to win this regional. It's a little bit different from last year. Auburn had 
Florida State and UCLA in their regional. And so it was very much a, we have to be on top of our game in every single matchup. This one, fans are kind of single-mindedly focused on, we got to face Southern Miss on Saturday. And so you're going to save your best pitcher for Saturday. You're going to gear everything, your rotation, how you line that up to be ready to face Southern Miss on Saturday. So Auburn fans are not looking past this team. They are giving this Southern Miss team the respect they deserve and saying, hey, we know you guys are new to the Sun Belt, but first time you got in the tournament, you won the dang thing. So we're definitely going to give you the respect, put the respect on your name and, and be mindful of what this team could do if we're not careful. Yeah. And, you know, just to that about the regional host sites, uh, I guess just what was your reaction to Auburn hosting a regional? I mean, 34-21, I know there was a lot of, uh, a lot of backlash on that, especially from Southern Miss fans feeling like they may have gotten a little bit robbed there. And just, I guess, do I mean, I, I know Auburn fans are happy they're hosting, obviously, but like, did do they feel like that they kind of were like, oh, well, okay, we'll take it? Or is it more like a, oh, no, yeah, we, we definitely should have hosted our strength of schedules at nine and and, and, we, and yeah. you know, we're, we're, we, we should have been in. There was conversations a few weeks ago about what target you needed to hit as far as conference wins and RPI. And so I went on some radio shows a few weeks ago and said, listen, guys, no SEC team in the last 10 years has won 17 conference games with an RPI of 17 or better and not made the postseason. And so Auburn kind of had this target that they've staked out the entire time and said, if we can get to 17 wins and we have this RPI where it is, we're pretty confident we'll get to host. Now, if that steals a bid from somebody, we don't know what the effects are down the line. And we saw Auburn end up being number 13, and it looks like uh, South Carolina and Alabama were the last two seeds that got regionals. So, but John Cohen being our athletic director, being head of the committee, obviously that creates a lot of conversation. I've heard it from UC Irvine fans. I've heard it from, I mean, uh, uh, just fans from lots of different schools who, th- uh, Campbell, who thought that they should have hosted over Auburn. So we're used to it. Auburn fan, like Auburn was picked to finish last in the SEC West. And so like, Auburn fans know that none of this is guaranteed. Halfway through the season, they didn't think they'd be here because the rotation was in shambles. They had a losing record in the conference. Uh, they're, they're happy to be hosting, but this is something where they said the goal is get to 17 wins. If you can do that, you control your own destiny because no 17-win SEC team has not made the postseason with an RPI like ours is in the last decade. So they're not surprised. But there was that little bit of nervousness on Sunday morning that something would happen and Auburn would get skipped. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's great. I mean, putting it in and, you know, Campbell at, 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 at I think like 15 or 13 RPI. And then mm-hmm. the kind of committee just kind of jumped over them and went to Auburn, you know. And, and I think, what, and I think, you know, personally, I think it was kind of the, well, they're not playing on their home field. They were playing in a minor league park. And, and I think 45 minutes away. Yeah. Right, and, and and that just seemed crazy, but also seems crazy that Kentucky's making fans stay in Louisville. But you know, you never know. But um, stay stay in dorms. I mean, <laughs> the opposing teams are staying in dorms in Kentucky. It's 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 almost like they they realized the RPI was five, but they didn't think they were going to host a regional when the season started, so they didn't reserve the rooms. And yeah. now we're in this situation of they have players and coaches staying in a dorm uh, <laughs> on campus. It's wild. That's that's crazy. All right, well, let's let's get into the team itself. Um, okay. You know, I, I think Southern Miss fans don't really know a lot about Auburn. I mean, they obviously, you know, I know that Southern Miss fans 
hate the SEC and they and they they want nothing more than to go into SEC country and knock off Auburn. It would be nothing sweeter than that. But I don't think this is an Auburn team that you know the record's thirty four and twenty one. But just talk about the team just a little bit. Some some names that that is obvious. Southern Miss fans are gonna know about real quickly. Um, this is no team that is a pushover. I mean, a College World Series team last year. Yeah, this is really the story of this team is told in two halves, and it's the first half of the season and then the second half of conference play. Auburn had a losing record. They had some uncharacteristic losses in their uh, their midweek schedule. They dropped the game to UAB. They dropped the game to Troy. They split the series with Georgia Tech. And the back half of the schedule has been characterized by a turnaround in the starting pitching and an offense that has just kind of become relentless. Uh, this Auburn team has double-digit come-from-behind victories where they've been down at the midpoint of the game and come back and won late. Uh, and and the pitching really, the, the weekend before they went to to, to LSU. So uh, they, they shuffled some things around in the rotation, inserted some different guys in different roles, and then in those new roles, took two out of three from number one LSU, went on the road, took two out of three from number then number two South Carolina, and just continued and was one of the hottest teams in the country to end the season. Uh, Auburn has a lot of faith in the power production in their lineup and the depth. So you can't just, it's not a, a an issue of you have to get past through the first five guys. You have to go all the way through. Yes, Auburn has the guys like a Bryson Ware, who has playing third base, has 24 home runs on the season. He actually has Auburn's single-season home run record. But they have two other guys with double-digit home runs, and Cole Foster, a switch-hitting shortstop, and Cooper McMurray, their first baseman, their big lefty first baseman. Uh, they have a catcher in Nate LaRue that didn't offensively have the year he want, he, he expected to have, but led the entire SEC in pickoffs and just played a very integral part in calling games and setting the defense. They have a veteran center fielder in Casey Howell that is on either, I think his sixth year of college, but the common joke is he's coming close to social security age. I mean, it's he's been in college forever. He's the NCAA's career leader in doubles. Like that's how long he's been in college. And because of all of the veteran experience you have on this team, where is a senior? Uh, Bobby Pierce is a fifth year senior. Uh, Kaysen Howell is a sixth-year senior. It's a it's a team that is very solid, very very comfortable defensively, and a team that offensively has never really faced a challenge that they couldn't figure out. The only game they lost in that stretch to LSU in South Carolina, and then to close the season, uh, the the only real uh, loss where they never figured it out was to LSU and projected number two overall pick Paul Skeens. Yeah. I mean. Just like other than that, when they went into Florida and they faced Florida's gauntlet of pitchers, they knocked two of the three of them out of the game early. Uh, you know, they went and they they run ruled conference teams. It's yeah. something they're they're very confident in their offense. They're very confident in their defense, and their pitching staff is set. Where as long as they're within a handful of runs as you enter the final three innings, they have a legitimate chance to come back and win that game. And because of that. They are incredibly fearless at the plate. They are they are comfortable. They you you do not rattle this Auburn team, and they do not ever get worried that they cannot come back and uh, and 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 make a game competitive. 
Yeah, and just talk about the pitching staff a little bit. I mean, I know the the, the catch is always, do you throw your best guy game one? Do you save him for game two? Sounded like a little bit that Auburn might be holding their guy for Southern Miss, potentially, mm-hmm. if that matchup happens Saturday night. Who do you think would pitch in a hypothetical 1-0 matchup? And just, or just talk about the starting rotation in general. Yeah. So having talked to folks within the program, Auburn, like some respect for Southern Miss, Auburn is holding their best pitcher for Saturday's matchup. So the guy they're throwing Friday night, Chase Alsop is a younger guy. He's a sophomore, uh, can hit 98 on the gun, has a, has a pretty good slider. He's worked out a, a, a good grip for and good control of, but Saturday is going to be Tommy Vales, fifth year senior started off at Notre Dame through TCU, had Tommy John while he was there. And uh, the thing behind Tommy Vale, sinker slider guy. So he's he's throwing low 90s, 91, 92. He's kind of one of those classic pitchability lefties. And the goal for Tommy Vale is I'm going to vary my speeds very, very well. So sinker, you know, sinker slider changeup. I'm going to hit my spots. I'm not going to let you barrel anything up. And it doesn't look like it's much when you face him. You watch him warm up. You're like, he's throwing 91. He's throwing, you know, 92 or whatever. And then he comes out of the game after the seventh inning and he's got six or seven strikeouts and he's allowed three hits. Like that's that's what Auburn is saving. So it's something where uh, not a ton of guys I know in the Sun Belt are throwing incredibly high velo. It's not like it's a, a parade of 97, 98, like when you face a Vanderbilt or a Tennessee or an LSU or something like that. But it's going to be a guy that, a little bit lower velocity, but he knows where to put it. He's going to hit that spot every time. And so you have to take advantage of mistakes because he's not going to make the same one twice. He's on his fifth year of college baseball, very, very experienced and uh, uh, knows how to navigate through a lineup two or three times. Yeah, ERAF 3.46. So that's pretty good in, in an SEC um, conference. What what do you think the advantage, and, and, and I know our listeners are probably like, oh, Dima, why would you ask this question? But, you know, <laughs> What is the advantage, do you think, of playing at a high level of the SEC play coming into a regional like this where, you know, three teams who are mid-majors? I mean, there's not a power five team in this bracket for Auburn. And I know in baseball it's it's different, you know, obviously than football, basketball. But, um, but I mean, I, I just feel like that that, you know, three-point – you know, 3.46 against an SEC club is different than throwing 3.46 against, you know, Arkansas State or whoever it is in the Sun Belt. Just what, what do you think that experience gives for, for Auburn um, and and the experience they, they were able to gain um, last year? How many players last year were are, are coming back this year? So having talked to some of these guys recently, they've kind of explained that when you're in the SEC and you're pitching at that level, you don't get a chance in the lineup to take a break. You have to have your stuff set in the very first inning. You have to be on your game the entire time you're in. And so there's guys that statistically, like Chase also, he's a guy with a high ERA because early in the season, he struggled to get started in games, had a lot of bad first innings. And so they said they have learned how to survive without their best stuff. If you go out there and, Let's say he's not able to land the changeup. He doesn't have the command for the changeup, or he's not able to get the control of the slider where he can reliably get a strike off of it. They've learned how to survive without one of their tools. Because in the SEC, 
you know, where the game two of a of a weekend or game one in Tommy Bale's case, usually you can't afford to just come out of the game after two innings because you're going to have a fight for three games and a limited bullpen. And so these guys talk about how much they've learned how to work around what is not on that day, what they can't seem to execute that day, how to survive and get through the outing without it. And so I think that's that's kind of the kind of the advantage when you go in, into a series and every weekend there's some guy that you're facing that is 20 plus home runs, you've got a guy that's usually leading off that is top 5 in the country in steals like an Enrique Bradfield uh, it gets to the point where you learn how to navigate a lineup uh, without taking batters off, without taking a break. And I, I I, think that's something that is going to help these pitchers over the course of the weekend, knowing that, hey, the goal here is to play three games. And yeah. so no matter what, I've got to go five innings because I can't afford to come out in the third and have the bullpen pick up six innings today because we've got two more games. And I think that's, kind of the advantage. But conversely, I think for Southern Miss, getting the draw of Tommy Vale versus a guy like a Chase Alsup, I think that helps a little bit simply because uh, it's a guy that isn't throwing, it isn't ridiculously overpowering stuff, right? He's surviving off of location. He's yeah. surviving off of sequences. It's not it's not like when Auburn faced Paul Skeens and he's throwing 99 mile an hour two seamers up and in and hitting his location every time. Yeah. You know, it's not just the pure stuff that's beating you. If you can time the stuff, you can get to him. He's surviving just off of the location and avoiding barrels. And so I think that's a bit of an advantage for Southern Miss in the matchup is uh, given, given the stereotype that Auburn fans have of what a mid-major would face pitching-wise over a weekend, it fits that model more so than what you'd face in an SEC series against like an Arkansas or something. Yeah, and let's just say, you know, hypothetically, if Southern Miss were to get to him, um, team ERA of 5.80. So um, I think that's second highest in the regional outside of Samford. Um mm -hmm what would be some of the the bullpen guys is that where kind of if you get into the bullpen maybe that's where you can start you know maybe getting some success yeah the the, the thing that that southern miss fans have to root for is for auburn's starter for chase also to get knocked out early on friday because auburn's got and that's been part of the issue this year is they've had a limited number of guys that they've been able to trust out of the bullpen they've kind of mixed it together they have a closer will cannon He's had a blow up or two, but so he, four, four, three ERA, but been a very reliable piece for them. John Armstrong's a sidearm or righty out of Atlanta. He's been playing through injury, so his ERA isn't great, but they've got about three or four guys that chase Isbel, uh, you know, th th that they feel really good about and that they're willing to go to in just about any situation to get them out of a jam. Outside of those three or four guys, it's a lot of people who are inexperienced, like a freshman Zach Crotchfelt or a Drew Nelson, or got upperclassmen that just haven't had opportunities at the SEC level to put it together. And so there's a there's an ability there if something goes wrong and you get a quick, uh, you know, a quick base runner on that guy, or you get a quick run in, things can spiral and snowball before Auburn's able to shut it down. And so I think that's the hope is hope that Friday night. Auburn starter gets knocked out early. Hope they have to burn some of these bullpen arms 
so that when Saturday comes around, they don't have that key guy available to shut down a rally if yeah. they have to go to the pin. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great way of putting it. And um, um, you know, and and you think and and Southern Miss has struggled to do that, you know, this season when they have mm-hmm. someone who's you know, mowing them down quickly. It seems like they've always, I, I mean, I think back to the App State game um, in the Sunbelt tournament, the one game they lost, um, that that the pitcher was just mowing them down. And they, and they he was like at 52 pitches through five innings. And and I, and I don't think that's going to, definitely not going to cut it um, for, for Auburn. Um, you know, you talked about the the, the lineup. Um, everybody, you know, I think Southern Miss fans are really, <laughs> really aware of Bryson Ware. That kind of rhymed. But um, yeah. some other guys, uh you would you would point to that that can rake. I mean, I'm looking here: 13 home runs for Cole Foster and uh, 14 for Cooper McMurray. Um, just what's some other guys that Southern? You know, you talked about how it's a it's a lineup that, that that goes at you. You know, you can't just go through those five guys and you're good. Just just talk about some other guys who um, outside of those those couple guys. Yeah. So at leadoff, you're going to have freshman Chris Stanfield, and he's a guy that has been easing into SEC play uh, coming from Tallahassee, you know, from from a smaller school. And so it took him a while to get in the lineup, but he's batting just under 300, one of the fastest players in the SEC. Not as fast as like an Enrique Bradfield from Vanderbilt, but we've seen him, like we've seen times where he's been able to bunt, get on base. Uh, He's a stolen base threat every time he's on. We watched him steal home against South Carolina. So he's one of those guys leading off to open the game somebody who's very good at drawing a walk, very good at the pitch recognition. You have to be on your game and locked in right away. Mm-hmm. And then as you go down, there's there's guys in the lineup. I think about a Bobby Pierce, uh, upperclassman, missed some time this year. And so his counting stats aren't as impressive. He's got, I think he's got five, uh, five home runs and 17 extra base hits, but he also missed some time with an ankle injury. And so uh, somebody who is probably a bigger uh, power threat that he's given credit for is also very good defensively, but uh, a lot of Auburn's offensive players seem to do a really good job at the base running aspect, going first to third on a single, scoring from second on a base hit. And so the danger with this Auburn team is if you let someone get on, they can quickly turn that into a crooked number on the scoreboard. And this team more so than a lot of others I can remember in just recent Auburn history, seems to do very, very well with two outs. This is a two-strike hitting team, a two-out hitting team, where, I mean, the most dangerous situation for a college baseball pitcher in general is two two outs and nobody on. And this is a team that is able to to battle, extend at-bats seven, eight, nine pitches, and then seize on a mistake, get a base hit, drive a runner in, and start piling on, make it into a big inning. They're, one of their things they were watching for this year was who can get the biggest inning in the game. And the goal was we always want to have the biggest inning in the game. And more often than not, the games they won, it's because they found an opening and they put three or four or five runs on the scoreboard in one inning, and that was enough. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, really good information on Auburn. Uh, baseball, I think uh, I, I definitely know more just by listening to this. So <laughs> um, uh, I guess just the final question, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, the, the tickets sold out in 12 minutes, so I don't really know how many Slimmers <laughs> fans were able to buy tickets. But for the fans who are going, for the media people like me who are going, mm-hmm. what's some kind of um, some restaurants or things to do in Auburn while the, there's not baseball being played? So there's some fantastic restaurants in downtown Auburn. Uh, there's two that you have to look for. One of them is called Acre. Uh, it, it's right off of the main strip. It's a one acre plot of property. They grow a lot of the food in the middle of town right there, like mean, fruit trees, things like that. And then everything else is locally sourced. Uh, so it's a very well-known place. And then just down from the hotel at Auburn University, which is where all of the teams and everything stay for these events in downtown Auburn, uh, there is uh, a, a, a food hall that is part of Auburn University's culinary, culinary management program. And it's open to the public. Tons of food, whether it's tacos, pizza, burgers, all of it. It's like a it's like a a, a food court style restaurant. Great stuff there. Uh, there's there's tons to do in Auburn as far as walking. There's a songwriters festival this weekend. National songwriters coming in to perform all weekend. Uh, tons of fun stuff. But it is going to be lots of fun in Plainsman Park. If you're not able to get tickets, if you weren't able to find those, they do have both a parking deck where it's common for Auburn fans to congregate and watch games from the parking deck, as well as an outfield area that is unticketed. You bring your lawn chairs, you bring your coolers, uh, food delivery, whatever it might be, you can set up and watch the game from the hill out past center field. So either way, come on, you'll find Auburn fans are very welcoming, very open, very uh, they, they like to have fun. They like to, to greet you. They're not going to be abusive fans, things like that. So definitely come out and check it out this weekend. And then, for you personally, I'll be in the press box. So make sure you stop by and say, hey. Oh, for sure. Um, all right. Well, Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on. Um, this is uh, Lindsay Crosby, AuburnDaily.com. So go there, read stuff about Auburn uh, that you want to know before this regional. If we happen to have a Southern Miss-Auburn matchup, which I think we're both assuming will happen eventually, if it doesn't happen Saturday night, you know. It will happen eventually, I'm assuming. That's by Mm -hmm. Sports Illustrated. Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on, man. Dima, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We'll see you in Auburn this weekend. This is 4th Street, and we got Mo Dogs on 88.5 this year. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lindsay Crosby from AuburnDaily.com. And for now, enjoy the rest of the show. So, Jackson, just uh, your initial thoughts, uh, Southern Miss headed to the Auburn Regional. Um, just your initial thoughts on the matchups we might see there. I know we'll get into um, into the, the teams more specifically here. Um, but like you and I have talked about, seeming to be a very, one. I think one of the more favorable regional sites Southern Miss has had in a couple of years. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling fairly confident heading into this regional. Um, the most dangerous Southern Miss team is a Southern Miss team that has been slighted or overlooked or something to make Southern Miss feel like they have something to prove. I mean, we saw this in the football season whenever Southern Miss headed into Tulane. And, you know, Tulane was touting, oh, hey, we're 4-0. and Hey, we just beat... Kansas State, I think it was, and uh, you know Tulane was all like Tulane was all high and mighty, and they and Southern Miss came in, made them look silly because you know Southern Miss wanted that bell back. 
Southern Miss wanted to prove themselves. And Southern Miss was the only team that Tulane faced in the football season that they did not beat. Um, and that is the attitude that I hope and that I believe Southern Miss baseball will have heading into, heading into the Auburn Regional. Because Southern Miss was overlooked for a host spot with no reason, like you said, uh, that the AD of Auburn gave no real or good reason as to why Southern Miss was not a host. So they just weren't chosen for whatever reason it was or for if there was a reason. So they're heading in a little bit angry. I mean, I know for a fact that Tanner Hall, Justin Storm, Danny Lynch, all of these guys wanted to play in the peak for one last time before they potentially get drafted or before their um, like academic... Uh, eligibility runs up to be collegiate baseball players. So they're going to be heading into this pretty pr- pretty pretty fired up. I and, and and like we said, you know, we have Auburn, Penn, Samford and Samford is who Southern Miss will be playing on Friday, which all of those would be favorable matchups and all of those of which I feel confidently that Southern Miss is able to beat. There there are no juggernauts or colossus like type teams that would be that that would require some sort of miracle for Southern Miss to beat. Yeah, for sure. Um, paired up with the Clemson regional, Clemson a team who's riding high and mighty right now. Um, so you 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 you'd probably want um, you know if you go to Clemson that that would be a probably more challenging, very 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 challenging matchup there. Um, but I will say about that. Clemson Regional, Tennessee um, headed over there to to Clemson. I mean that that's an RPI team of night twenty, and I mean that's a really good Tennessee ball club. So we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, so let's let's dive into it. We'll we'll hit um, we'll hit some of the teams here with some stats for you. Uh, Penn, um, they're going to be the the team that faces Auburn first. Uh, I'll tell you what, Penn Penn has got some. I think they have the lowest ERA. Um, out of all the teams in the tournament, um, as far as their pitching, their pitching staff is really good. Their ERA is at a um, – yeah, let me pull it up here. So their ERA is at a 4.0 ERA. Team or ERA at 4.0. The next lowest is at Southern Miss at a 4.6. So, uh, you know, they, they throw out their, their ace, who is uh, Ryan Drombowski. hope I'm saying that right. He has a whip of 1.18, 2.87 ERA. 87 strikeouts and uh, just 20 earned runs on the season. So um, that's a great ace. And then they got Owen Cody, uh, 3.03 ERA, 1.36 whip, uh, 5-3 win-loss record. And he has also uh, a a great number of strikeouts at 76, uh, allowing only 21 earned runs. So they they, they don't really allow uh, a lot of runs, you know, on them. And um, just just for comparison, you know, uh, 20 earned runs for Ryan, uh, Southern Mrs. Tanner Hall, uh, 24 earned runs. So, I mean, that's the, I mean, and, and, and then Tanner Hall's 109 strikeouts to pins, um, uh, 87. So, you know, th- this is a, gr- a really good ace for Samford. And then on the other side, uh, for, for, for the team that Southern Miss is going to play, we talked about this guy last night on a podcast that I was on everyday Eagles. Go check it out if you would like, um, 
But Jacob Cravey, this is going to be Sanford starter, and Jackson, this is why, you know, the debate of whether or not they should throw Tanner game one, I think it's a no-brainer. Jacob Creevy, 3.19 ERA, 1.15 whip, 9-2 win-loss record on the season. He's only he's he has a hundred and twenty-one strikeouts to thirty-five walks. Wow. That that is a dog. And he will be facing Southern Miss to start uh th- this this postseason. Um uh, ninety-eight point two innings pitched for comparison for Southern Miss's ace. Ninety-seven innings pitched for Tanner Hall, a whip of one point zero. That's crazy. Twelve and three win loss record. Um, 109 strikeouts to 30 walks, only 24 earned runs, and only allows five home runs of the seat on the season. So, really, I think we're setting up for a pitcher's duel on Friday night, and it's really going to be about Southern Miss uh, trying to get out of that 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 get into the bullpen of Sanford. Yeah, exactly, and uh, and and just like what you were talking about uh, last night with the Everyday Eagles people, uh, seriously, go go check them out. Chuck, Lane, Pate, very very good friends of the show, great guys. But what they were talking about, um, and what I feel like Southern Miss's strategy should be is yes, their their Friday night ace is just like you said, a dog. He is scary to go up against. However, Sanford's team ERA is only six. And by only six, I mean, wow, their team ARA is six. That is pretty high. And aside from Sanford's three main weekend starters, if you look past those guys, uh, just like Chuck and Lane were saying, um, the ERA just begins to climb and climb and climb, which uh, is something that should be very comforting for Southern Miss, but you know, Scott Berry would probably chastise me for looking ahead and only looking at the pitcher that they're facing right now, which is that ter- scary, scary Friday night ace. However, if Southern Miss can get, can get past him, after that, it should be a lot easier to get runs. Now, given, I may be jinxing this, because every time that I've said this while looking up at the at the scoreboard of the Pete and going, oh, wow, this guy's ERA is 11, and then he strikes out four in a row as soon yeah, as I say they, they, it. But, Southern Miss uh, really has it's, it's a gonna be trouble good. of, like, getting their pitchers out uh, and, and it's anytime you have a good pitcher like this I, I mean I just think so many times during the season the App State guy Saturday morning was a great example he was mowing down Southern Miss's lineup and then uh, Southern Miss just couldn't get him out of the game and then once they did get him out of the game it felt like that um, you know they had a better a better opportunity to win that game Stanford a team that they've already played Auburn they played them uh, on April 18th lost the game got run ruled then they were supposed to play them Two weeks ago, but Auburn canceled the game. I don't know if it was because of weather or what, but you know we can we don't have to discuss that. But yeah, and Sanford has the the biggest ERA of the of the of the regional Jackson, and it, just like you said, once you get into this, these guys who have the, the most innings pitched. I mean, you look at Ben Ben Petsky, um, who's fifty innings pitched. Right, he's got to be there. The next guy who comes in, four point two nine ERA. Right, and um. He's given up. Um, let's see. He's given up uh, twenty-four earned runs in his in his and fifty-nine strikeouts. So fifty innings pitched, twenty-four earned runs. I mean, that's 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 like point five, you know, runs an inning. So <laughs> you know that you're right where you know they come in and, for example, the the, the player that Southern Miss has thrown 
uh, each time coming out of the pen is normally a Justin Storm or Cross Sibley. 2.52 ERA for Justin Storm, 4.17 for Cross Sibley, and each of them only giving up a couple of runs, 23 earned runs for Cross Sibley, and then 10 for Justin Storm. So, you know, you, you like Southern Miss's chances once it gets past the, the once it gets past Sanford's starter, but they're going to have to get past that starter, and they can't let them just go through the first six innings under 50 pitches. Exactly, and so I, I really do feel like that's going to be the strategy for uh, for Southern Mystics for, for Southern Miss to succeed. And um, what what I've noticed like is Southern Miss a lot of Southern Miss's guys they are very very big on like oh I want to be that guy because you know that that next man up mentality that, that we've had. But every time that that Southern Miss swings, especially whenever they're trying to get a pitcher just to go away because they really, really want the bullpen because that's a lot more favorable. They try and swing yard every time, and it's just pop, fly, pop, fly, pop, fly. But um, every time that they just take fundamental baseball, small ball, line drive base hits, hit it with the barrel of the bat, that's when you run pitchers out of the game. That's when you do a lot better. And, um, I think after, I think after the loss against um, App State Saturday morning, Southern Miss's mentality very, very much changed behind the plate because we saw that not everyone was trying to swing for home runs, not everyone was swinging for the fences, just getting the ball down. And the reason why I bring all this up is Southern Miss had that change just in that afternoon leading up to the Saturday night game, and. App State brought out their Friday night ace, who people argue, like, not effectively, but but people argue should have been the Sunbelt Player of the Year. What, and, and while he is a very impressive pitcher, he's no Tanner Hall. But App State's Friday night ace came back Saturday night trying to take Southern Miss out and head to the conference championship. But yeah. as soon as Southern Miss changed that ideology and they started hitting line drive base hits, he didn't last two, three full innings. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I will say, Sanford, though, they can hit the baseball. They actually lead the regional in home runs. They're hitting 101 home runs this season. Um, So for comparison, Auburn's hit 84, Southern Miss has hit 78, and then Penn has hit only uh, 44. So this is a team that can swing the bat. Uh Hey, I'm going to jump right back in here as another editor's note. Um, In the middle of me saying what I was saying, I did get a call from my girlfriend, and I have not heard for her in a couple of days because of a camp she was at, so I had to take the call, and that's why we had a brief stop here. Uh, But just wanted to let you know that's why there's a little abrupt ending to what I was saying. uh, But for now, keep listening as Jackson brings us back in on our talking point. Thanks for understanding, and thank you so much for listening to the 4th Street Sports Show. All right, moving back on to talking about regional play. Uh, we had to take a quick break because Dima Mixon is uh, an official finalist. He just got a call. He's a finalist for Boyfriend of the Year. So just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. And so anyways, just wanted a little quick aside. Um, you know, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the setting. That man is always there. Uh, sorry, ladies. He is, in fact, taken or else he would not be a candidate. Um, but look on the Bachelor of the Year polls and hopefully find one of those. But anyways, moving into regional talk, we were just kind of talking about um, 
so, some matchups that may happen, some some statistics yeah. that may happen, and a lot of these teams have some statistically better, um, like. They're a little bit better in categories statistically than Southern Miss, but uh, especially whenever we were talking about, um, you know, Samford just absolutely nuking baseballs, the, having the yeah. highest amount of home runs uh, in the regional, and also having uh, one of the lower ERAs in the regional. But I think that it's I think that it will be an interesting thing to see, which is what's so special about having these very very large fields in NCAA tournaments is seeing if those skills in smaller or less competitive conferences can directly translate to coming up with uh, a juggernaut that is Southern Miss or that is Auburn. So I think that's going to be very exciting to see. So just kind of give me your take on how you think those uh, statistics will translate to a Tanner Hall or to an Auburn. Yeah. And, and for Sanford, you know, uh, I, I would say, actually, looking at Penn, um, they went on the road to South Carolina to begin this season, and they took South Carolina to, to some close contests. Uh, they lost the first game 7-4, to four, which, I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed of at all if you're a lower-tier team no. playing on the road in an SEC school. They lost the second game 1-0. to nothing. Um, Penn did. Like, at South Carolina, that's pretty impressive. To shut a lineup down... Only allowing one run throughout the entire game, I mean that that's really impressive. Then they lost the the third; they got swept. But like these are competitive games, six to five, um, and they had the lead in the eighth. And South Carolina walked them all. So, I mean, man, I mean, I feel like Penn. I feel like Penn could give Auburn some trouble on on Friday. Um, Samford, you know that their their RPI and their wins against. Opponents like on their schedule, they played Alabama, got destroyed. They played LSU, got obliterated. Um, they played Mississippi State, got destroyed. They played Troy and lost. They played Auburn and got run ruled. They played Alabama and almost got run ruled again. So I, I feel like for Penn, it might be a little bit more where you can look back to their schedule and look back to their, um, you know, their, their piece, their body of work, and see well, you know, maybe maybe they couldn't com- compete against some of these. Uh, higher tier teams and as far as Auburn is concerned you know we look at their lineup and you know obviously everybody knows about Bryson Ware who's batting a 3-5-6 and has 24 knocks on the season with uh, you know uh, with 20, 100 and I cannot read but like 63 runs batted in <laughs> um, and then Ike Irish you know he has 50 runs batted in so between those two hitters Auburn you know, really in a position to to really put you on your heels when you're throwing the baseball at them, but their pitching isn't really that impressive outside of Tommy Vale, and that, that I don't think Southern Miss would face a Tommy Vale. You know, Christian Herbelholtz, as I said a second ago, um, you know, he, he's he's pitched a 4.18, and I think that you know Southern Miss likes a 4.18 in the 1-0 Renner's bracket regional Jackson, and so. I mean, we can talk about it all day, but I feel like that Southern Miss likes where they're sitting right now, and if they can get these bats going in certain and at, at times where it matters, you know that they they kind of might feel pretty good about getting out of this regional. A hundred, a hundred percent, if not like a hundred and ten percent. This is like again, like we've said before, and like we will probably be saying for the rest of the week. Um, 
while it does stink that Southern Miss was more or less robbed or just neglected a regional, um, this is a very, very favorable matchup. And this is something that I, along with what seems like the majority of the Southern Miss team in terms of coaches and players, are confident that they can get out of. And I I personally think that um, Southern Miss will do well in this regional. I I believe that Southern Miss ha- is fully capable of winning this, and I fully believe that Southern Miss is capable of winning a super regional. And I know that this is looking a little bit too far ahead, and we'll have another episode before that. Um, but I I'm very very excited to see where this goes because I think that a fire has been lit under Southern Miss's feet, and a lot of fires have been lit under Southern Miss's feet, and I am excited to see just how brightly they will burn in the postseason. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, that's probably um, everything to say about the regional itself. Jackson, if you had to say right now, do you think Southern Miss comes out of this regional? Eags by 90, baby. <laughs> so I think Jackson's going to pick Southern Miss to come out of this huh. regional. I, I, I say... Yes. I say... Huh? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I just think I, I'm, I'm confident in Southern Miss's ability to pitch, to hit, with Slade Wilkes working his way back from an injury and seeing how he performed in the, in the, in the last two games of the, uh, like, like just seeing how Slade Wilkes performed, getting those two home runs in the tournament. I think with him healthy, with a fire lit, uh, lit under Southern Miss, Southern Miss is fully capable of getting out of this regional, and I think they will be the winners of the Auburn Regional. Gotcha. Um, I, I I will say my cards would be on Auburn right now. I feel like just the, they just play so well at home uh, in postseason play. I mean, they were a College World Series team last year. And just obliterated teams down there at their home park and their, their regional last season. If that's anything to say that they just play at a different level at home, um, but I do think that Southern Miss is right there with them. Um, I think that you're going to see some great, great play um, this weekend. Be tuning in to Southern Miss in the regional this weekend. I hope you got tickets because Auburn just announced that they're sold out. So, which uh, is crazy. So. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Jackson, anything else to add? No, nah, I think we covered all the bases. I uh, just, just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to everybody that tuned into the Twitter spaces during the tournament. Those were a lot of fun. Uh, and like Dima said before, we will be doing those uh, about 30, 45 minutes, just depending on uh, how long interviews last for Dima while he's in Auburn uh, for post game and all of that. Uh, just right after the games, just be looking at Twitter, uh, hop on the Twitter spaces, and don't be afraid to unmute, request to speak, ask questions. Uh, we are just Southern Miss students who like it enough to decide to stop liking it for a time and having to be objective, but we love hearing from everybody. Uh, we are just as passionate as you are. We're just not allowed to show it, and we, uh, again, like, like interaction with people, especially with the Southern Miss faithful, that is why we do this. Uh, so just make sure to tune in, uh, follow us on social media, stay tuned. There will be lots of fun things to come and, uh, to the top, baby. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So that's it for us. Um, 
go, like Jackson said, follow our coverage in Auburn this weekend. Um, Southern Miss taking the road tomorrow. I think they're leaving around 3 or 4 o'clock tomorrow. We'll have a post a, an interview session tomorrow with Coach Barry and some players. So be looking for that on our YouTube. Um, and then we'll be out. Um, and then uh, they'll be out in Auburn uh, on Wednesday. And um, I'm headed there, I think, Friday morning. So, um be looking for our coverage like jackson said look for our twitter spaces go to the website smtmedia.com to find our stories and uh follow jackson on twitter and me on twitter for updates throughout the game and especially looking for those twitter spaces jackson said we'd love for you to come on if you would like so uh for jackson kennedy i'm david mixon and that was the fourth street sports show come back next monday at five on southern miss radio fourth street sports baby